You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Huh? Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? We kicked its ass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, this week, we are talking about Get Shorty from 1985 uh, to help me talk about it. I am very excited to be joined once again by one of my uh, favorite people to talk movies with, one of the hosts of the Action for Everyone podcast. Uh, it's Mike Scott. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Matt. Glad to be back. Glad to finish up the trilogy, the 95 <laughs> Hackman trilogy. Yes, I didn't even quite put that in the intro, but I was like, I'm glad we're doing this to finish up this Gene Hackman 95 because we discovered last time we were like, man, he had a killer 1985 with uh, this and Quick and the Dead and Crimson Tide. And now we podcasted about all of them after this one. So I'm very excited. <laughs> so uh, we're doing it. We're here. Uh, and yes, yeah, so I'm glad to have you back. It feels like it's been too long i feel like i always say that but it's always like <laughs> even after a couple months i'm like oh man i gotta talk to mike again so i'm glad you're back i appreciate it <laughs> yeah glad to be back glad to be back and we did have to reschedule so i appreciate you uh you working with me on that so uh you know that 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 helped a lot so yeah oh, glad yeah, to be no, back <laughs> no problem and it was funny because I, I know i've talked about it with people like that i'm gonna take a big hiatus uh soon and take a big break but i was like i gotta get the get shorty thing done before before i take the break because i didn't want to miss that because i want to talk to you again about this movie so um glad we're getting it done um so you know as we always do on this show i was going to ask what you've seen lately that you want to talk about sure i'll uh i'll kind of go as i usually do in reverse order from like worst to best um <laughs> good, good idea yes <laughs> so the uh uh I really probably should talk about this on action for everyone but i can't bring myself to i finally after years watched the I, I guess quote unquote cult classic ballistica have you ever heard of this movie matt ballistic this is not ballistic expert to sever this is no 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 this is a 2009 movie <laughs> where it's that. about a cia agent who is a master of a special form of of martial arts called ballistica that's basically equilibrium gun kata. And so ah, there's all these okay. scenes of him, you know, doing like gun caught poses and stuff. But it is so ridiculously boring uh, <laughs> that I, I can't even, you know, it, it's gone. It goes viral every couple of years because somebody will post on Twitter, or Facebook or, or something. Some of the clips of him actually doing the ballistica. And it just it looks so ridiculous that people are like, oh, this this must be so much, you know, one of those just bad fun movies. And. I kind of thought that's what it would be too, even though I'd been putting off watching it and it's on Tubi. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just finally watch it. And uh, it is, it is not, it is in fact just bad. It's just bad, bad there. There, first of all, <laughs> there's only like three scenes of him doing ballistica. 
So like there's not even like the whole reason this movie exists. There's like barely any of it in it. Uh, It's all done in such a way that it looks like he's moving uh, at about the rate that an 86 year old man would move. You know, like you've seen (laughs) Equilibrium, right, Matt, with Christian Bale? I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know how Bale's moving in that and it's like all sharp and everything. This is he might as well be doing like Tai Chi or something like bad, like white person. I watched YouTube Tai Chi. Um, but then even with that, that's like the high point of the movie because the rest of it is so goddamn boring that it's just almost impossible to watch. It's only like 89 minutes or something. And it was a slog. It was it was just almost impossible for me to make it through. So, um, you know, like I said, I should probably talk about it on A4E, but I don't I don't really want to do that. So I, I brought it to your show instead. I brought it here to share it with you, Matt. It's OK. Uh, I I'm looking at I'm sorry. I was looking at it as you're talking about it because I'm like, I, I have seen the clip from this. I'm looking at like just screenshots on uh, like Google and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I think I've seen people post this clip. And I was like is this some kind of weird sequel to equilibrium? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. And the guy that stars in it is like dollar store, John Cena. I mean, he, he looks literally like dollar store, John Cena, wow, but really with does. like yeah. one, like 60th of Cena's charisma. Uh, so yeah, it just, it, it really, I cannot, I mean, it's on Tubi. If you want to watch it, feel free. It's not going to cost you anything <laughs> other true. than your time and a little bit of your soul. But uh, yeah, no, that's can't can't okay. recommend that one. Yeah, that's okay. I see I see guys in it like uh, Martin Cove and Andrew Devoff and Robert Davi. Uh, it's like they have like it sounds like a solid little supporting cast, but I it yeah, it's like it doesn't help the movie. <laughs> so Devoff is the only part of it that actually pops, but he's only in it for a few minutes. Oh, um, okay. You know, Martin Cove is fine, but they're they're all supporting. You know, they're all there to like show up for i mean i can't imagine any of them were on set for longer than like a day or two you know um so but you get you do get divoff doing some ballistica so you get you get a ballistica battle between the two of them that looks like it was shot at half speed um with cgi Uh like bullet traces as they're shooting each other all right well I'll never watch Ballistica. It's like, just take that. Don't think you should. Really don't think you should. Really okay. just cannot in good conscience recommend it to anybody. Okay. All right. Well, it should only get better from here. So Yeah, <laughs> it actually does. It actually does. Because the next couple I want to talk about are, are actually good. So I actually just watched this one this morning. Uh, my friend Brendan Agnew, who uh, writes for uh, Synapse, uh, he watched it and recommended it. It's on Shudder. It's called Monstrum. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a Korean monster period piece monster movie it's basically korean brotherhood of the wolf is the best way to describe it it's oh, okay. it's about it takes place sometime in the past in korea um and this the king uh, has all these people in his court who are trying to overthrow him and one of the things they're doing is they're spreading the rumors that there's this monster out there called the monstrum and uh he goes and finds his old friend who he banished for reasons I won't get into and asks him to come back and help track down this monster. And so that's basically the gist of it. It's it's, it's just a good old fashioned martial arts monster movie. Um, but it is kind of like Brotherhood of the Wolf and it is a blend of both. You got some some wuxia style martial arts and sword fights. You got a bunch of palace intrigue going on. And then you've got this giant, because it turns out that the monstrum is real. You've got this giant CGI monster, um, you know, terrassing through the village. Um, 
only runs about four, uh, an hour and 45 minutes, moves quick, and, and it was really a lot of fun. And, you know, it's one of those movies that's kind of extremely my shit. You know, Matt, how I love the the sort of genre blending, like, let's try and, you know, do action, horror, comedy, all in one movie kind of stuff. And it really, mm. really does do that. Um, and so, you know, I really enjoyed it. If, if you've got Shudder and you haven't seen it, I think it's absolutely worth checking out. Okay, again, never heard of that one, and uh, I've been neglecting my shutter recently. I feel like something I had to. I had to. I I, I logged in and I was like, "Oh, damn!" There's a lot of stuff that because I normally actually don't even log into. I I only subscribe to Shutter in September and October usually, but uh, Mm. this year I just let I just let my subscription run. I was just like, "Yeah, whatever." I'm happy to give Shutter like five bucks a month or whatever it is, but I have not logged into it for months. So I was like, "Oh, damn!" There's a bunch of new stuff here it does help that it's cheap that's uh mm-hmm. it's it's like okay i'll keep you around like i think that and uh and hi i've kept around for a very long time because hi is like two or three dollars it's very you cheap. can't even <laughs> buy a cup of coffee for hi like like <laughs> like you can barely shop at the mcdonald's dollar menu for for what hi charges like hi is absurd how cheap that that i feel like they do is. they have good stuff on there i feel like they, yeah, they do it. Like, there's stuff on there where i'm like it's streaming nowhere else I'm like oh it's on hi great um like hong kong stuff I'm like okay yeah. great so yeah i those cheap services see these guys got a lesson like the, let's raise the price over and over it's like hey if you keep it cheap, I'll just keep you forever. <laughs> well, especially, you know, I, I think that is kind of the maybe the way to go with some of these services because you got like your Netflixes and your Primes and they're trying to be everything to everyone. And where I think something like Shudder and Haya and what's the the black exploitation one, brown sugar, brown sugar like yeah, yeah that there are these really niche streaming services and they they do it cheap, but for that niche you're always going to subscribe to them. Like I'm always going to subscribe to Haya. I'm never not going to subscribe to Haya. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I I think they probably don't, they clearly don't have the subscription rate that something like Netflix does, but I wonder if maybe their retention is better because they are cheap and they are that niche. You know, if I'm in the mood for a martial arts movie, I'm just going to log on to Haya and find something to watch. All right, cool. So it was Monst- It was Monstrum, right? Uh, Monstrum, yep. Or, okay, gotcha. All right, yep. I'll have to keep an eye on that. Yep. When I go back and actually look at Shutter for a change, you'll be like, what else is on here? <laughs> yep. And then the uh, the last one that I want to talk about is, uh, and I, I think you guys, you've already talked about it on the show. I know we've talked about it in the Discord. I can't, but uh, hey, it's a me. I'm a I'm a the Pope's exorcist. I'm a here to uh, I'm a here to cleanse your church and your soul. Uh, I, I, God be with her, yeah. Um, yeah, I watched The Pope's Exorcist um, with uh, Russell Crowe doing the best Mario accent that we could have. You know, the guy that voices Mario just announced that he's not going to be doing it anymore. I, oh, yeah. I want to start. I want to start a Russell Crowe hashtag Crow for Mario. Um, hashtag Crow for Mario because he's a, he's a doing a Mario in this thing. Uh, what a just a delightful, ridiculously dumb entertaining little movie the pope's exorcist that, is you've yes. seen it right you've that's seen how it. i felt about it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i i really wasn't i wasn't uh i kind of put off watching it and then um liam my co-host on action for everyone watched it and and really liked it and he and i have fairly similar tastes so i'm like all right i'll check it out and uh yeah it's uh it's bananas it also has he and i were talking about this it also has one of the most blatant pieces of catholic propaganda that i am stunned like did not like blow up all over the internet uh the the whole 
the Inquisition is the work of the devil and a possessed priest thing. I thought for sure, like the anti-Catholic contingent in that would be like all over that. And it just, I don't know if everybody was just so charmed by Crow's accent and performance that they just let it slide or what, but I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and they really went there on that one. I feel like that one went right, right over my head and didn't register as anything besides just nonsense like the rest of the movie. I was like, oh, okay, that's what they're going to go with. I When you brought that up, I was like, wait, what? I was like, I'd forgotten about it. There yeah, was... that's that's the whole purpose of the movie is that the that's the secret that the church has buried in this church is that the Inquisition was caused by the devil um, and, and he had possessed this priest this exorcist, uh, kind of the precursor to Russell Crowe, and he's the one that started the Inquisition. So it's a very nice, tidy bit of hand cleaning uh, that, that it does for the church. Just there, how right? well I remembered it that I forgot a main plus. <laughs> I remember they found something bad out of there. It was like it was all kind of a blur. I was so blown away at the uh, borderline audacity to. And I joked about it, like set up like 199 sequels or whatever they say. Like, yeah. It's like we have all these other sites we can go to. 199, 199 sequels. Yep. Yep. I yeah, loved really, it. Really set it up. It's just so ridiculous. Like the whole thing is just ludicrous from top to bottom. Um, I mean, there's so many like exorcism movies. And they're all kind of similar because oh, how much can you do with, you know, this kid gets possessed and they blah, blah, blah. But it's like uh, it's actually pretty I think it, I'm trying to think, like, I kind of feel like it slows down a little bit. They don't, they spend like no time setting up that family that comes into that house, which is probably a good thing because it just like get back to Russell Crowe, Mario, and just get into the exorcism because that's the part where I'm like, you don't need to set up 45 an hour, minutes of an hour of like, this whole family and just get the kid possessed. It's fun. <laughs> well, yeah, because I I'm not a big fan of possession movies. I I, I always say unless yeah. they involve the names John and Constantine, I don't really give a crap about most possession <laughs> movies. Um. But this was so much more like in like the Van Helsing, like Stephen Summers kind of vein than I was expecting it to be. I was expecting it to be like a Conjuring movie, which I do like the Conjuring yeah, movies, yeah. but I was expecting it to be like a Conjuring movie. And no, it's like it's like Van Helsing part two. You know, it's just because he even he's got his little sidekick, his his like little priest sidekick that joins him and is going to be with him for the whole, you know, all 199 sequels now and <laughs> and stuff like that. And so it's just uh, it, it, it was very much a more over-the-top, less self-serious movie than I expected it to be. And I don't know why I was expecting it to be that, because Julius Avery's previous film, Overlord, is a very, like, over-the-top, not very self-serious movie. And, yeah. uh, and and you know, but as soon as I heard Crow's accent, I... Uh, I just I knew I was like, oh, I'm actually in good hands here. I'm actually and I really did also appreciate the whole kind of setting it up, you know, whereas like in the Conjuring universe. All these things are real, and I really liked how in this one it opens up with him like realizing it's not a possession, you know, when he's when they're like, oh, he's speaking oh, yeah. English and he's like, do they have a TV in the house? Uh, you know, and and like uh, and, and stuff like this. I did the basic psychology on him, um, <laughs> you know, like like it it just. Yeah, I, I, I knew I was yeah. in good hands. I had a, I had a great time watching it. I felt like I expected that, too. Maybe it was how they marketed it. The Conjuring. I thought it'd be more like that. And it was way uh way less serious and i, I like the yeah, movies it, a lot but it just it was more like pulpy fun kind of not like action but it had the pace of like a just boom 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 like it was not a slow burn jump scare thing it was just like ah throw a bunch of shit at you um 
Yeah, yeah closer oh. closer to Evil Dead than it is The Exorcist in terms yeah. <laughs> of pacing and tone. If people are like on the fence about it, it's much more in the Evil Dead kind of vein of of action horror than The Exorcist or The Conjuring. Yes, yeah, and it was uh, I liked it was I liked Overlord a lot. I feel like that I, I always harp on that as like an underrated movie from the past like five ten years because I I think it didn't do well when it came out. I think financially, uh, but I thought it was a really fun combination of move like things going on in that movie it was just like what a what a combo of like world war ii and it, monsters and zombies and all kinds of crazy shit uh so um yeah i uh okay cool i i, I want to rewatch it now it's on netflix now right it came out like yeah yeah that's why <laughs> it was on netflix so it was one of those where i'm like well there's really no barrier to watching this so let's just watch it and i'm glad i did i i really am i i like by far and away, you know, that that was that was the best movie that I've seen, not for my podcast in in months. So it was a uh, it was a uh, it was it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, do you have anything else or was that? No, I'm good. Yeah. OK. Uh, my stuff's actually all good. So that's that's nice. I uh, nothing I have to like be like, oh, this piece of crap. But hey, um... yeah, you didn't watch a ballistica. Eh? That's a. <laughs> And I, and I don't think I ever will at this point. <laughs> uh, you probably say people, if anybody was thinking about it, you probably save them from ever watching. So that's probably a good service you did there. <laughs> so um, I watched a movie that I know you guys just brought up on Action for Everyone last week, I believe. Uh, the new Hulu movie called Miguel Wants to Fight, which... Uh, yes, we did. We talked about it last week. And that was actually one that I was like, do I want to double up and talk about that again? So I'm glad you brought it up because it gives yeah. me a chance to talk about it that's, again. I was like, I'll bring it up for him if he wants to talk about it again. So... Uh, I really, really liked it. It's super charming. It is like, I, you know, I don't know. It seems low budget, not in a way of like, oh, it was poorly made. Just like, I can't imagine they had a lot of money for this. And, uh, but it's very scrappy and like just a bunch of people I don't really know from anything, but a talented kind of unknown cast like these kids. So just the whole conceit of, uh, this guy Miguel who like never I love like he never gets in the fights with his friends that whole they start off like you've never been in a fight with us you always hang back and do something which is like a funny idea and then uh, finds out he's gonna move after I think he's got like a week left and he's like I gotta get in a fight before I move and he's like trying to just find somebody to fight and and his friend won't tell his friends going on it's like what the what the fuck is wrong with you this whole <laughs> this whole thing going on um, I thought they were gonna pull something i won't say the whole thing to you now because i want to spoil it but i thought they're gonna do something for sure which they didn't do in the story which actually i thought turned out better uh like the way that they, i thought they're gonna play it one way they didn't play it that way it's very funny um it's got a lot of references that i did not find uh like annoying in a way of like some movies kind of just pack all these references you're like oh my god give it a break because the references they threw in like other action movies felt very genuine to me like it was coming from a place of actual like love for the genre um and it was a really great time. I really, it's like a breezy, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. Like there's really no excuse not to watch it on Hulu. Um, and yeah, I just hope people find it. Cause I felt like when I went to go like rate it, it, I mean, I know it just come out, but it kind of felt like people weren't really talking about that much besides some of our friends in action Twitter. And I just hope people find it. I hope Hulu doesn't ever pull it off their service and just bury it in a landfill. <laughs> like they, they, like the princess or something where they just pull it off the service disappears. But um it's a it's a great little movie. I really, really enjoyed it. I had a great time watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I can't say it any better. I, I thought it was it was just a, a delightful little little coming of age story. Um, you know, it, like you said, the the action, the references fill they fill a earned 
and and realistic for the characters and who they've established who these characters are i mean they've established that these are all kids that just view the world in terms of movies and anime right but then especially miguel but then also yeah they they come from a place of it's very clear that that oz rodriguez the the director and and the the co-writers of it that they 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 know their action and and they're it comes from a place of love. There's not a hint of irony in this movie at all. Yeah. There's there's no like wink wink aren't action movies silly kind of thing. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 all from a place of of pure love, and uh, it uh, it's just it's just so fun to watch. It's funny as hell. Um, you know, it's like laugh out loud funny uh, yeah, in some yeah. parts. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just I really liked it, and and I've you're not the only person that I've convinced to watch it. So I've been happy that, that you know, that we, that us little few that are talking about it are, are able to maybe get some people to watch it. Cause it's, and like you said, it's only like 75 minutes long. It like barely counts as a full length feature movie. So there's just no reason to, to not just get in there and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it is really funny. I think I undersold that a little bit. It's like genuinely, uh, and it's like those kids, they have such good, uh, chemistry between them. The four like main kids that are friends, like they feel like real friends, like the jokes are earned, I feel like. And yeah, I love, there's like no irony to it. I love it. It's, it's like, I think that's gonna be the one that at the end of the year, what we'll to like beat the drum for? Like this was an underrated movie people may have missed in 2023 because those streaming movies, they just fly under the radar sometimes. Like they come out every week and it's like, we're on to the next one or, you know, Hulu barely promotes it. And it's, you know, that it's whatever. They're kind of like, eh, we yeah. put it out. It's fine. So, um, yeah, Miguel wants to fight really good. Uh, I finally watched a Brian De Palma movie I've never seen before, which is crazy because he's one of my favorite directors. Um, and it was a good one. Uh, the Fury from 1978. Uh, I, I have never seen The Fury. Oh, OK. I think you might dig it. I don't know. It's a, It's a weird convoluted movie for sure that's the one thing i was like um wow this movie has a lot going on it basically has like two stories running parallel from this movie until they intersect in the last like 30 minutes of the movie they kind of finally really come together so um uh let me see here uh oh god it's, it's the like, one it, where like there's like the guy's like telekinetic right and, and yes, he's like yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny it's De Palma like doing kind of another thing similar to Carrie you know it's like so Kirk Douglas uh has this son who's got uh telekinetic powers he's trying to uh kind of hide from certain groups who want to get him and his son's taken early like the first scene and, and again the movie's taken away and Kirk Douglas is trying to track him down the whole movie so that's one thing that's happening the other thing that's happening is Amy Irving is this girl who's discovering she has telekinetic powers and kind of goes to uh, Charles Durning to like either a kind of a school or a, a, a hospital where he kind of helps people with this kind of thing. Um, and she's trying to deal with her powers and not hurting people and controlling them. It's kind of like an X-Men type almost thing. And uh, those stories are kind of running parallel back and forth for most of the movie. And I was way more interested in the Amy Irving stuff. Amy Irving is really, really good in the Fury. Um, she has to do a lot of stuff and she's really good. Um, very believable is this girl who's like, kind of like uh freaking out because she's got these powers and you know trying not to hurt people and uh it's got a lot of great visual de palma flair like uh it has an insane ending i i it's a funny thing was i'd seen the ending uh like in clips people post the clip because it's so like such, such an absolute holy shit moment but it is even to see it in the 
context of the whole movie uh and i was again like jesus christ this ending is like wow and it's just like one of those endings where it's like the thing happens boom credits like you're done like i'm like what like we're like that, that, okay uh there's no like little wrap up it's like boom over um but it's really well directed i think the, the story is a little bit of a mess but it didn't really bother me that much because the performances are good De Palma's direction is good as it almost always is um and yeah i thought it was really good i'm glad i finally watched it i just i don't know why i put it off for so long but uh but yeah, it's 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 a good one. I always remember this one. I don't know, Matt. Have you ever seen a movie called Terror in the Isles? It's a little before your time, probably. I I watched that like for an October a couple years ago, like a Halloween spirit type of thing. You know, trying to get into the yeah. Spirit of it. And uh, I liked it. I just it was funny because it's it's what like forty years old now, so the clips yeah. kind of don't go past a certain point. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. a clip. You know, for those who don't know, it's a clip show, basically, that was mm. theatric, theatrically released because they used to do that before video became really popular. And and I saw it quite a bit. It's a very formative movie for me. And there's a lot of clips of the Fury in it, but they pair them up with clips from Scanners. And for whatever reason, I just always gravitated towards Scanners and watched I've seen scanners multiple times. I've seen all the DT, you know, DTV scanners, sequels and stuff like that. And uh, and I've never seen the Fury. Uh, so I actually need to I need to check it out because, uh, you know, some of the clips, I still remember some of the stuff. That's why I remembered it's about a telekinetic. And I, I think I remember one other thing about it, but I don't want to say it in case it spoils it for people. But um, but yeah, so I, I'll definitely need to check it out. Yeah, I forgot to mention it is definitely like it seems like a cousin to scanners. It's it's definitely uh, in that same vein. It's like scanners. So if you like that, I think you would definitely like the fury. Um, it's, it's definitely a good time. Uh, so, okay. Last one. It's the big one. It's for all the Patriots out there. I finally watched pain and gain. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, which I could have sworn. I had tried to like, I rented whenever it came out, like almost 10 years ago and got, didn't finish it or didn't remember it. I mean, this truly felt like a first time watch. I mean, there's a couple things where I'm like, I know I saw this, but I, I I think I remember like, I did not like it when I tried to rent it. I was like, I turned it off halfway. So I remember maybe wrong. Um, liked it much more this time. Uh, finished the whole movie for sure. <laughs> it's, I, it's funny with pain and gain. I feel like I'm really into like the first half of the movie. And I feel like I'm less into the second half, uh, like, I guess it's kind of funny. It's out of a rise and fall story, kind of in a Goodfellas type thing. Uh, and I guess I'm less into the fall part, which is usually the part I'm more interested in. But um, I, I liked it. I, I don't think I love it as a lot of much a lot of other people do that we know. <laughs> they love pain and gain. But it's it's so over the top and such a like like a pitch black comedy, especially near the end when like body parts are being cut up and they're like still kind of it just gets so dark. Um, but I, I think it's. Man, between Mark Wahlberg and The Rock and Anthony Mackie, it's like, I think it's three of the best performances I've seen, or the best ones I've seen from almost all of them. Like, Anthony Mackie probably has a few more, but, like, I could not believe The Rock, like, was in this. I'm like, he would never do this now. Like, and this is only, like, 10-ish, 10 years ago now. Um, he's great in it. He's like, I, I miss The Rock doing stuff like this. And Mark Wahlberg is like, perfectly cast it's like i'm like mark this is who you really are this whole like catholic thing it's come on just like this is <laughs> this is you um it's a wild story apparently based on a true story that i looked up it sounds like uh, you know i don't know how much they change but i mean it, it, it's 
it's relatively close. So I read, I read the Miami Herald series oh. uh, that they did. They did on this, that, 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 that the movie's based on and they didn't, they didn't change a ton. Um, <laughs> that's, that's even crazier that they didn't change that much. So uh, I get, you know, well directed by Michael Bay. I thought it was like a really, you know, a, I like Michael Bay for the most part. I just, I'm not, I've not been on board as much with the Transformers reassessments from everyone. Like, I know you've been living this hard and actually for everyone with all the base stuff. So, but I, he, he hits way more than he misses. I mean, honestly, it's just some of the Transformers sequels. I'm trying to struggle to think of anything else. Most of the other stuff I really, really like. And um, I really enjoyed this. I, uh, I just was like, man, I it's like, it's fun. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg and the rock. I'm like, they just don't do stuff like this anymore. And I was like, I thought these were very good performances from them. Um, Tony Shalhoub is really great. That's the guy they kidnap. Um, it's just ridiculous. Uh, I forgot Ed Harris shows up like as a detective halfway through. I mean, it's got a pretty good supporting cast throughout. It's it's a good time. I uh, I'm glad I finally watched it. It's just it's so ridiculous and over the top, which I guess is in the spirit of the story itself. So um, and everyone's so dialed into it too. I think everyone's on the same page what they're making. Like it's a very specific tone of like very dark comedy crime story it just feels like they're all they're all in it so <laughs> i appreciated it yeah i'll be honest it's not it's not my favorite bay either i i am i am i am of my patriotism this is not one that i uh, that i go to bat for very much because again i the real story is it is blackly comic in real life but it's also just really gross you know what oh, what right. these guys did and, yeah. and stuff and so i I've, I've always had a bit of a hard time getting into pain and gain. Um, I know we're going to do something with it on the show at some point. We're going to do like a commentary or something at some point for it. Oh, and I'll, I'll watch it again when we do that. But it, it's not, it's not my favorite. It, it, you know, it definitely has a lot of the, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of push back on us for the the reevaluation of, of Michael Bay and that we're all ridiculous and stuff, but <laughs> it does have, it does have, I think a lot of those themes that, People like Vice and I, especially Liam is a little more like it's got pretty pictures and big explosions. Vice and I are very much more on the wavelength of like Bay's actually an astute critic of American society in a way that people don't give him enough credit for. And this definitely does fit in that mold. It fits in that mold along with things like ambulance and and 13 hours and, and even the rock to a certain extent. It's much more in that vein. And so I like it for that. I just, it, it's tough because it is based on a true story. It's a little hard for me to watch the Michael Bay technique uh, applied to a true story. Um, so it's not my favorite. I, I know everybody else loves it, you know, but I'm also the guy whose least favorite Michael Bay movie is Bad Boys 2. So, you know, I, I oh, am no. <laughs> I, I am getting, well, and I said this on the show, like it's, it, that one's too much for me. It's, it's, that one goes too far oh, for me. Yeah. Um, I, I am I am the world's biggest champion of ambulance uh, and and one of the world's biggest champions of 13 hours. Bad Boys 2 can take me not liking it. It doesn't need a defender. So <laughs> kind of, I forgot you had said. That. Yeah, no, it's funny because Bad Boys 2 is probably like my second favorite behind the rock. I love Bad Boys 2. It's so I, I think it's I mean, it's one of those things. I it's definitely nostalgia because I watched it a lot when it was on TV because I remember being like at a friend's house in high school and it, it like. The, the movie channel had like a slot. It was like the same schedule every day. So it was like we get home from school or something and we're just hanging out uh, and it's like 
Bad Boys 2 is on again at like three in the afternoon and we're just going to watch Bad Boys 2 again. And we like loved Bad Boys 2 so much. And now I can look back at some of the just gross stuff in Bad Boys 2. But I think some of the action is so yeah. fantastic and just like. I just love, uh, I mean, I love their chemistry, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I like some of that stuff is still so funny to me. And just, oh, it's so, it's so ridiculous. But I think, yeah, like Pain and Gain, actually, what you said probably put it pretty well about like how it's kind of gross based on a real story. And that's probably why I like the second half less than the first half. Because the first half is kind of like, there's not, nothing, nothing t- terrible has happened yet. You know, it's kind of like just setting up the characters. And there's a kidnapping, but no one has been hurt yet. And they specifically are like, we don't want to hurt anybody. And that goes out the window <laughs> at a certain point. And that's probably why it's just so it gets so crazed in the second half. It becomes like a cocaine energy, which is probably partly based on what The Rock is up to in the second half. But it's uh, the first half is more fun for me before shit really goes down. And then I kind of get like the uh, I'm like, oh, it's a little bit might be a little too much. I'm, I was thinking yesterday, Pain and Game may be too much movie for me at a certain point. It's yeah, like, it's definitely a lot of movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a lot. So, um, but it's it's still really good. So, um, okay. Well, that was that was all I had. Uh, so we talked about Get Shorty. Yeah, this let's do it. Five trilogy. I. So we talked a little before we started recording about like this may be hard to talk about because it's a movie that's so good and it's uh like one of those things like what do you say about Get Shorty? Um, I probably will end up talking about a lot of the stuff around Get Shorty or like who they cast here, who if they, this and that, like little kind of like behind the scenes, but um. And I'll just say really quick, I did not see Get Shorty until I believe last year for the first time. Um, crazy as that may sound to some people. <laughs> so uh, and so this was only the second time I'd seen it. So I always have a harder time too podcasting when I'm like, I don't feel as familiar with the movie. <laughs> so uh, uh, I don't know how many times you've seen Get Shorty, but I this is only my second watch. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it a lot. I mean, I saw it opening weekend in the theater. Oh, okay. um, I've read the book, uh, but it's been... 30 years since I've read the book. So don't ask me to tell you any differences or anything like that. Um, you know, and I, I, I probably watch it every 10 years or so. So I've probably seen it a half a dozen times. Uh, it's enough that, you know, when I was watching it, there was nothing like I, I remembered everything about the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't forget anything. So, um, but uh, yeah, Hey, at least you saw it before James did. So uh, just kidding. Love you, James. Yeah, we got James to watch it, so that's already a big accomplishment of this podcast. <laughs> and he really liked it, he said, so that's good. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, listen, you know, it's hard to find time to watch all the movies, so some things are going to slip through the cracks. So, and I can't really talk because I nope. just watched it last year for the first time. Yep. So, which is crazy because I feel like I would have, I was so into Pulp Fiction when I was younger, and I felt like everybody would talk about this movie as like the, the natural follow up to if you love. Uh, John Travolta and Pulp Fiction. You got to see Get Shorty and him as Chili Palmer. And I somehow still didn't get around to it till last year. So, um, uh, but yeah, it's I I really liked it. The funny thing was watching it last time versus this time. I think I liked it even more on the second watch because I was thinking, speaking of like Pulp Fiction, Tarantino and John Travolta, I kind of like the same thing with Jackie Brown, but also based on Elmore Leonard novel, a movie I didn't love when I first saw it, which I think also partly because I was younger. But a movie I liked more and more time I see it because I think I'm so focused on like the plot machinations the first time that I kind of get a little lost in the weeds and don't enjoy it as much as I could. And once I get past like all the plot stuff, like after the first watch, I can enjoy the movie more, <laughs> which is how I felt the time with Get Shorty because the first time I watched it, I felt a little lost and like, okay, who needs what money? where and who for who? And, you know, like, why does that person know this person and all this stuff? And this time I felt like I was doing much better on that so this time i enjoyed it much more it's just like 
not not really quite a hangout movie, but just a, a movie with all these fun characters and great actors coming in and doing just a lot of fun work, which I think at this time helped me enjoy it even more than the first time I watched it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's a very breezy movie, you know, uh, and it's it's very much... You know, it's one of Leonard's lighter novels, too. Um, you know, so it, it's 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 a breezy kind of enjoyable time. For me, the thing is, is I actually think this is a better Travolta performance than Pulp Fiction. This this to me is one of Travolta's most movie like this is Travolta at his most movie star magnetic in this movie. This is this is he goes from this to, you know, broken arrow and face off but it's also when he's doing stuff like michael and phenomenon but this this is just that perfect storm for him there's a scene i always think about a scene in this movie and i even told my wife when we were watching it i'm like just watch for this you're never going to see somebody walk up a flight of stairs cooler than john travolta does in this movie <laughs> and that scene when they're in the restaurant and he he chucks game, james gandolfini down the stairs just the way sonnenfeld shoots it him coming up the stairs it's just it's pure movie star magnetism um, and, and that's to me what I always go back to for this movie. I mean, I think the script's great. I think every all the other cast is is brilliant, but I go back to just how amazing Travolta is in this movie. It is, you know, this is a man that has had a lot of great performances in his career, uh, and certainly I think most people would probably argue that Saturday Night Fever is his best performance. But for me, I. This is my favorite Travolta performance. I just absolutely love everything that he does in this movie. I mean, you know, he's great in this movie. It's this time. It's funny you brought up the Travolta Pulp Fiction thing again, because I was thinking that that's what I thought. So I was like, oh, I love him in Pulp Fiction. I think this is a better performance. Uh, I just think it's like this confident movie star, cool performance. And it's not like somebody trying to put that on. He just can do that because some people try really hard to be cool and, and they're not cool and uh i love yeah mentioning like how he moves up the stairs because he just moves so cool when he wants to like he i think he kind of moves like a dancer sometimes when he's not even dancing that's the thing I, i've noticed this in other little things he does in other movies i wish i could give you a great example but i feel like sometimes i just watch him almost like he's like gliding it's almost like he's just like gliding around or the way he walks up and down steps just moves from side to side like um he's just so i don't know he's very unique in that way and yeah, this I do like performance better than uh, his one Pulp Fiction now. But I think it's funny. I, you were way ahead of me because I was going to say, what's your favorite Travolta? So if this is your favorite one, I, I think I still have to go uh, him in Blowout. I think I, that's a very kind of a different for him <laughs> kind of performance. But I just feel like, man, he it's just such a good performance from him. Like, I mean, that ending still gets me every time, too. It's a good scream. It's a good scream. Um He's so good in that. It's uh, it's not like the typical like cool movie star performance of his, but uh, I just think it's it's so good, and that's why people are like, oh, he's not a great actor. It's like I don't even say as much anymore, but I think in it, when he was in his down period, uh, and he's had a couple down periods, it's like no, no, he's still a great actor, but uh, people sometimes take that for granted. But this, I mean, this is just such a fucking cool movie star performance, and he's so great in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it just it's just you know, and this isn't my favorite even my favorite travolta movie like yeah. uh, my favorite travolta movie is face off obviously duh it's me but uh <laughs> but um but like it's just the performance is just so incredible like yeah like i said he's given lots of great performances in his career this just to me i am always a sucker for uh that that kind of performance that only a movie star can give, mm -hmm. you know the the kind the the the, the tom cruise in maverick that that just kind of 
there's like maybe three people in the world that could do this performance. And, and that's how I feel about Travolta in this. I, I just, I don't feel like if you cast Mel Gibson or like Tom Cruise or, or I'm trying to think of some of his other contemporaries, Bruce Willis, I don't think any of them, even though some of them are major movie stars, I don't think they can give the performance the way that Travolta does. This is such a perfect, like simpatico character, actor, wattage all combined into just one hurricane of of amazing uh you know you just cannot take your eyes off him and and you're right i've always said this for about years that he moves like a dancer robert danny jr is another actor that kind of does the same thing if you ever watch robert danny jr move he moves like a dancer they they have this glide and this confidence in the way that they move that that so many people don't um but yeah it's just he just I, I get, I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of be redundant to, to just say how cool he is in this, but like he is that fucking cool in this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing I was gonna like. What do you say? How cool Travolta is, right? Like the whole time, <laughs> like it's just it's hard to find. I mean, he is like he is the star of the show. He's you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of great people in the movie, but it all comes back to him and following him through the movie and just I mean, he carries the thing through <laughs> through most of it. Uh, and it's just, he's so good at it it's just it's bananas and i was looking i was like man he had a good run at this time because like uh comes right off pulp fiction gets this like you said broken arrow face off um doesn't really go bad until battlefield earth i think <laughs> and then it's it like oof and then it goes kind of belly up but uh um but yeah he's just he's cooking at this time because <laughs> for, for some reason i had thought i was like wait didn't somebody like thought, like somebody, he's they thought he squandered his like pulp fiction comeback but i don't think he did at all because I don't know where I heard that or thought that, but no, no, he, he, I think capitalizes pretty well um, in the, the second half of the nineties. So um, it just kind of goes bad in the two thousands. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. even something like the general's daughter, you know, he is, he is again, so magnetic. I mean, that is just kind of a skeezy, you know, pot boiler of a movie, but he is so magnetic again in that movie. And, and he and James Woods have an acting face off in that movie. That is just, it's just a delight to watch. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's, I don't think he squandered it either. I think he lived it up. I, I just think for Travolta, Travolta's a lot like Stallone. I just think there's something about their acting style and who they are that does not lend itself to longevity. It lends itself to reinvention, which is why they keep coming back. They keep cycling up and down, but I don't know that it necessarily lends itself to longevity. Uh, but no, I mean, he had a hell of it. There was a 10 years there where he just had an absolute banger of a run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and we might as well talk about it. Speaking of bangers, time periods, Gene Hackman, 95, because that's why <laughs> that's really kind of why we did this, because we were like, well, we did the other two. Let's do Get Shorty. Um, and it's not like it's a chore because Get Shorty is great or anything. But we were just like, we got to finish this off. Um, I was thinking about this with Gene Hackman. And he's really great in this and a very different kind of Gene Hackman performance that i feel like i've seen because i don't think of him as like a funny guy necessarily <laughs> um but he he's so good in this and i was like man he gave three very different performances in 95 between those three movies like um just the most biggest bastard on the planet and quick of the dead <laughs> and then he is I, I, the queen of the tide is complicated because it's like you know, he's, I guess, he's painted as the villain, I guess, but he, we, we talked about how complicated that is, where it's like, he thinks he's doing the right thing, um, but... Yeah, he's know. really, we kind of talked about, he's really the antagonist, he's not the villain, it's right? Like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. you have to, you have to kind of call him the antagonist in that movie, because he's not the villain. 
um, you know, if there is a villain in that movie, it's fucking Gandolfini. Gandolfini had a good 95. Oh, too. yeah. Come I, was to think, think of it. <laughs> I was like, Gandolfini, if he just showed up in Quick of the Dead, he could have matched uh, Hackman's 95. I was like, oh, because I forgot he was in this. So I was like, wow, that's funny. Gandolfini, two for three of the Hackman 95 trilogy. So close to being uh, in all three. But um, yeah, he had it. This was his breakout year, too. I think. But uh, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, yeah. I mean, in Hackman and this, this is a whole different thing, too, where it's like this kind of just uh, ridiculous kind of a movie director. But he's I, I love that. And they said because I think he tried to turn it down was one of the things I read because he's like, I don't really do comedy. And um, Barry Sonnefeld's like, that's perfect. I don't want you to do it. It's like just, you know, just uh, come in here and, and do your thing. And and that I think is what makes it work. Cause he's still Gene Hackman, but he's in this ridiculous kind of situation comedy and he is still funny it's just but he's not trying to do something i don't know he's not trying to not be himself i think yeah that's what i love about this movie is there's really nobody that like goes uh, danny devito a little bit but other than that there's really nobody that goes like over the top everybody everybody's very dialed in on the performance that they're giving in this movie and uh and so you know i think it works because he is just kind of playing it straight. He's this neb. I mean, you're so mad at him when he fucks up, you know, the first time when Chili's like, you don't say anything. Let me do the talking. And, yeah. and he fucks that all up. And you're like, God damn it, Harry. But then, you know, it's like you feel bad for him when he tries to to do that to Dennis Farina and just gets the ever living shit kicked out of him. And and that's something that, you know, if people aren't familiar with Elmore Leonard, that's something that Elmore Leonard was a master of the like sort of lighthearted dialogue driven story that just then breaks out into horrific violence. Um, mm -hmm. and, and for as lighthearted as this movie is, there's some real nasty shit that happens in this movie. Um, and so, you know, it, it, in Hackman has to kind of sell all of that too, especially because he's got nothing to do for the last 20 minutes. So, you know, they take him sort of out of the equation of the last 20 minutes of the movie, but he leaves such a mark before that that it almost doesn't matter um because he's just yeah <laughs> yeah he uh he's i mean i appreciate he's so dialed in and yeah it was funny dan devito i didn't even think about it. he's he's in the weight movie way less than i thought especially because he's on the poster it's like i i feel like they were trying to capitalize they were like yeah dan devito and he's in it way less than i expect even the second time i was like oh dan devito's not in this very much but i just love the idea that Dan DeVito's playing this guy, such a big movie star, and he looks like Dan DeVito. I mean, Dan DeVito is a star, he's all right, but he's not like you know, well, Tom Cruise. So it was based on, yeah, part of the reason he's in it is, of course, because he's the titular shorty that they're trying to get. But right. then also, um, yeah, he was based on, and I don't know the full history, but I know he was based on Elmore Leonard's thoughts and feelings towards Dustin Hoffman, who you could make an argument too. you know, in the seventies was this major movie star, one of the, and looks like Dustin Hoffman, right? Like the seventies <laughs> yeah. are literally the only decade where Dustin Hoffman could have been a global superstar. And, uh, and so it is funny that, yeah, he's this like global superstar, but he looks like Danny DeVito. Not that we're, we're not, we're not like making comments about Danny DeVito's looks. He's just not a traditional movie star. Right. And so it is funny that this is how, you know, this is the big guy that they're, they're going after to try and, and get in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think Danny DeVito knows that's, I mean, he knows that's the joke clearly. And, and I, I didn't realize until this time that his production company was the one that I guess produced this. So, uh, 
yeah, I'm sure he was like, I can do that part, which makes it, which is just good comedy. I love his book. Is it Weird Tales or something? But it's Martin Weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So it's he's not in it much, but the stuff he's in, I think is very funny. Yeah. Because in the poster for years, I was sure he was like a major, major part of the movie. And he's really not. I mean, I mean, a lot of people come and go and float in out of the movie because it's pretty packed with characters. But um, yeah, I just love I, it's the, the that- bullying. That scene where they do breakfast, <laughs> where they do breakfast, and mm-hmm. Rene Russo is like, oh, he's not going to order anything off the menu, so don't worry about it. And he comes in and does exactly all of that. Yeah. It's just so, like, mm, like just sharp <laughs> incision right right into Hollywood. like Right. And John Travolta being like, but wait. And then, like, before you can say anything, they took the menu away. <laughs> like, um, oh, God, it's so good. And I did read the, the stuff that Elmore Leonard and Dustin Hoffman, which... From some things I've heard about Dustin Hoffman checks out because it sounds like he kind of had a ego for a while. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so, he's, he's yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, he got you know I don't know if you remember, but he got he got uh, he got me too a few years ago too. Oh, so he, I can't uh, keep up. I think I yeah I no. Like... So he's 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 a pretty well known giant asshole. So yeah, I don't. And, and to me, somebody with as as poison of a pen as Elmore Leonard. To me, that pissing off Elmore Leonard's like pissing off Taylor Swift. Like, just don't <laughs> fucking do it because they're going to eviscerate you on the written page and, and you're not going to come back from it. It's just not going to happen. Oh, I love that comparison. <laughs> but, yeah, the only podcast where anybody compared Elmore Leonard to Taylor Swift. I was going to say, you might be the only one. So it's <laughs> good stuff. Um, uh, Dustin Hoffman, too. This was another thing because I had all this other stuff. I was just reading a movie that was interesting about because I'm sitting here, I think we agree. I can't imagine anybody but John Travolta playing Chili Palmer. Um, the, uh, apparently, three people passed on playing. They just passed on the role. Uh, was Warren Beatty, Michael Keaton, and Dustin Hoffman, which I can't see. May, I can't see any of those guys. The closest maybe is Michael Keaton. Keaton but, could do it. I think Keaton, because yeah. you know, if you think of Keaton in, um, I think he Keaton would have a much more. One of the things that Travolta does so well in this that's so hard to pull off is, is you know, if you take a step back, Chili's a pretty awful person, right? This is a, he's a Shylock. This is a, this is a debt collector for the mob. Like he is right. not a good person, but Travolta makes him so damn likable that we are just willing to go on this journey. We, what we want is for Chili to get out of the mob. Right. We're like, oh, this guy is way too nice to be in to be in this. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, it's like he even says when she's like, you're in the mob. He's like, yeah, but I was never really into it, you know. And uh, <laughs> I think Keaton would have brought more of a a nastier edge to it, uh, which might have. I think he could have pulled off the coolness, but I don't know if he could have pulled off the likability. Uh, and Keaton's very likable in a lot of roles, but he's also got, you know, Part of what makes Keaton so, especially if you watch like his older movies, his 80 movies, 80s movies and stuff was his like biting, sarcastic douchebaggery. You know, he <laughs> I mean, he was kind of like this is going to piss a lot of people off. But he's kind of like Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds in a lot of ways in terms of his persona is based around snark and, and stuff like that. So oh, I think yeah, he would have yeah. I think he would have brought a different edge to it that I don't think would have. I think it would have worked. I don't think it would have worked as well. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman, I don't see at all. And no. Warren Beatty. <laughs> The problem with Warren Beatty is I don't even care how good of a performance he would have given. It's Warren Beatty. The entire movie would have been swallowed up by Warren Beatty. That, that just, <laughs> that's just what happens when Warren Beatty's in a movie. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, think, I think Travolta was the right way to go. Yeah, I, uh, I was trying to think of anybody else to play that part. None of those guys came to mind. Michael Keaton is interesting because he, he has a comedy background. 
uh but he also has like i always feel like he had this like psychotic edge to him because we all that's the guy everyone always does like who could play the joker and batman michael keaton yes i mean it's like that's the guy who could do both both parts but um so he could have been funny i don't know if he would have had the coolness maybe i mean probably but it's just it's it's got to be travolta it's got to be and then like hoffman and Beatty just it doesn't work it's funny because I, I swear i feel like every time i've read something on this podcast about any movie from the 80s or 90s it's like who passed this part or who did, who was offered this part. Warren Beatty's name comes up like every fucking time. <laughs> like I feel like every major movie that he tried to get offered or or he passed on for like two decades. Um, and I don't not to bag on Warren Beatty too much, but I just like I've never really gotten Warren Beatty that I, I love Dick Tracy as a kid, but that's you know that's the kind of a singular weird thing. But never been a big Warren Beatty guy. Maybe I haven't seen the right movies. I don't know, but. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know what you think of Warren Beatty in general. I, I mean, I mean, the problem with Warren Beatty is he's Warren Beatty again. Warren Beatty swallows up everything. So, mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde, brilliant. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, brilliant. But like, he's still by the eighties into the nineties. You know, he's he's Warren Beatty is an entity. He he's he's you almost really can't like watch him and not think of him as Warren Beatty. You know, this is the guy that dated Madonna. This is, this is, you know, he, you know, and, and so it's like, yeah, you know, like Bugsy's great, but he directed that like his best performances outside of the seventies are the ones that he directed himself. Uh, because I think maybe the only person that could handle Warren Beatty was Warren Beatty. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, you know, uh-huh. he just, I, I just, he would have been all wrong for a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah, but what I, I could agree with that. Um, so luckily, it worked out how it did, uh, thankfully. And apparently, I read that uh, Travolta wasn't sure about it, but then Tarantino was the one that talked to him. Because I think Tarantino was any one of the producers of the movie or something is what I read. And then Tarantino's like, you need to do this. Travolta's like, I don't really get it. And he's like, listen to me. So I guess he steered him right. And again, so <laughs> it just worked out. I think it's funny. People were passing on this left and right, it sounds like, or being unsure about it. Um I'm not like I because like Gene Hackman again was hesitant. It looks like the comedy and Travolta sounded like he didn't really wasn't sure. Um, I don't know if they just didn't get the the script as it was or what, but um, but well, yeah, part of the problem you've got at this time is that that Elmore Leonard previous attempts to adapt Elmore Leonard stuff have been pretty abysmal failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't really have anybody that's convinced that his literary stylings can be translated to the screen very well, because, you know, you've got, you've got, I'm trying to remember what's the one that they did with, that he did with Burt Reynolds um, stick, uh, you oh. know, and, and, and you had like 52 pickup with Roy Scheider and, and some of those, they just, they weren't, they were okay, but they weren't necessarily, his name didn't have the cachet in movies that it, that it does now. Um, but what's weird is because this one got it right, then you just, you have this explosion because you get this, you get Jackie Brown and you get out of sight all within what, like an 18 month period or something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> like, and, and now all of a sudden Elmore Leonard's, you know, he's, he's big, he's in. And I think now for the most part, people have cracked the code because obviously justified exists, right? They've cracked the code on how oh, to, yeah. how to adapt his stuff. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but I think I think at this point, he you know, that wasn't a big enough draw. And so you've got this movie that's very dialogue heavy. There's not really any action. And and to be honest with you, there's there's a very low 
sort of stakes. I mean, you do have Bones coming through and you have Bo, you have Delroy Lindo's character who's, you know, Lindo bringing a very nice sense of of quiet menace to to the the role. Mm. But for the most part, it's it's a pretty low stakes movie, right? And so I think it's and we're we're at 95. We're not full blown in the 90s indie scene yet, right? You know, Pulp right. Fiction's just come out, Brothers McMullen's just come out. We we haven't had this deluge of you know like 97 when we're getting gross point blank and stuff like that we're a little ahead of the curve on that um so i I can understand why but then when this comes out and it's great and it's a big hit you know i i think that opens a lot of doors that uh that previously hadn't been opened yeah yeah no that's that's a good point uh um I was going to say something it lost my my thought but yeah it, oh that's very low stakes that was the part i was thinking this time that's what also kind of makes things maybe sometimes harder to talk about on a podcast where it's like i mean this movie doesn't have like yeah like a ton of action it doesn't have, it's very low stakes a little bit all starts over a coat like it just starts over his coke getting taken and then like the whole kind of gag of uh you know, it's like well, nothing will happen until Momo dies, and then the whole subversion of Momo walks out of this place. It's dark. It's, oh, he's about to get he's about to get whacked. It's like nope, he just dies from a heart attack at a surprise birthday party, and then then you know then it's over for Chile in Miami. But um, I just this is an amazing place to start, like a stolen coat and the guy dying of a heart attack at his birthday party, and then that's the <laughs> drives the movie, and then yeah. <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the other things, right? Is it just does kind of just throw you into this world. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It just really starts. I forgot it just like you're in, like go, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it does it does also tell you everything you need to know about Chili. Like I love when he bangs on Bones' door and he opens it up and just Chili just one punches him and then walks in and gets his jacket and walks out. I was like, <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about this character right now. So yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. for sure. Uh um I mean, Dennis Farina's great. I mean, uh, Delroy Lindo. Don't love. you fucking puke on me, Harry. Yeah. Don't you fucking puke. <laughs> puke on me. And then when he tries to put point the gun up, basically shoot him with the balls, he's just like, no, no, we don't have time for that. Put the down. Uh, like, Delroy Lindo's amazing. I still wish he won an Oscar for the Five Bloods a few years ago. I mean, he, my God, he's so good. And he's like, they had a quiet menace, like you said. He's so good at that and this. And uh, Gandolfini, I mean, it just... David Paymer is like this amazing, like little kind of rat fink type guy. This little like just slimy little guy. It's like that's perfect. Um, and yeah, it's really just like it, this collection of characters just running around interacting, and that's I feel like the real joy of the movie. That's like the 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 plot stuff is like it almost doesn't I won't say it doesn't matter, but it's like if you you don't need to follow it to really enjoy the movie, you know, just enjoy the the interactions between all these characters. Uh, Renee Russo, Renee Russo's grateful that I mentioned her yet. Um, I love how casually her and Travolta just start cooking up. <laughs> like it's almost like a like an afterthought in a weird way, where it's like, oh, they're sleeping together now, you know. And then <laughs> just Harry kind of knowing but not knowing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and like that she was. She, I like that they never make it quite clear: is she with Harry? Is she not with Harry? Because it, right. it like almost doesn't matter, right? You know. And I, I love. I totally forgot about the. Uh, this the line where Danny DeVito tells her she should consider getting back into acting. And and we know that she's been, you know, she's been acting the whole time. I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, what an asshole his character is. Just a very self-absorbed movie star type. I mean, he does it, he's really good. I think it's very funny. I was thinking I almost wish he was in it more, but now that I, I almost think it'd be too much. You know, like you said, it's like he's the one that's kind of 
going bigger than anybody else. And maybe it's just the, just the right amount of Dan DeVito doing this part. <laughs> and there's, there's already enough moving parts in this movie. I mean, oh, it's yeah. traditional Elmer, you know, typical Elmore Leonard. There's a lot of moving parts in it. So, you know, I, I, I think this is one where the mixture for me is just, is just right. Every, the salt, the, the sugar, everything is just <laughs> right. Like they got, they got it right. So. Yeah. I, I have not read any Elmore Leonard. Uh, I've seen a few of the movies that are adapted for him. I'm like his thing must just be a lot of moving parts, huh? Like a lot of yeah. like characters moving, money moving, people, you know. Characters moving, thing. money moving. He really likes, he really, really likes um, dumb criminals who think they're smart. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and then he likes he likes yeah. to he likes to put them against uh, the 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 actual smart people who may or may not be criminals. So perfect example in this, you got Chili, who's a he's a criminal, but he's actually smart and he's not trying to like start in shit, right? He's just trying to he just wants to make movies. But then you got Delroy Lindo and Dennis Farina and David Paymer and all these dumb criminals who think like I love when he's just tearing David Paymer apart. And he's like, he's like, next time you send your wife a note, don't put it on hotel stationery, <laughs> you know, um, oh. but uh, but like so because justified is the same way, right? Like all of justified is about these dumb criminals who think they're smart. And he puts them opposite Raylan Givens, who's one of the greatest literary characters of all time. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of his thing. Um I really like, I haven't read a ton of his stuff, but I've read, you know, four or five books um, and I really enjoy it. And, and when it's adapted well, there's some of my favorite movies, um, you know, again, out of sight is, is just a, a, it's another one of those movies ad, adaptation of his that just has the mixture. Perfect. Um, because in that one, you've even got a, a very smart criminal in George Clooney, who's not as smart as he thinks he is because he ain't as smart as Karen Sisko, you know? And so that's, that's always the way Leonard's plots kind of work. And they're they're It's just fun to watch them all come together the way that they do. Yeah. Out of sight was when I just saw for the first time this year. And I really, really loved it. Uh, actually probably in my top 10 discoveries of the year, honestly, because I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, Jackie Brown, of course, I love that one. It's, it's so good. I, I hear that's a, maybe a looser adaptation of his. It, it is. Yeah. And it's actually one I need to revisit. I haven't watched it for a long time. I didn't love it when it came out and I've only seen it a couple of times because one of the things I like about Omar Leonard is he's punchy and he's efficient. I mean, this movie's what an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And so one of the problems I had with Jackie Brown was I actually felt like it, it was uh, it bloated Elmore Leonard. Um, but I think I need to, I was going into it because at that point I was already a Leonard fan. I was going into it wanting an Elmore Leonard movie. Yeah. I need to rewatch <laughs> it. Yeah. In mind as a Quentin Tarantino movie. Right. And especially now that I, Things like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and and stuff like some of those more languidly paced Tarantino movies I, I've seen and liked. I need to spend some more time with Jackie Brown to to be in that mindset. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was her problem with it when I was younger. It was like it's a movie where, again, like the stakes are very low. Not a lot happens. Uh, it's a movie. I think it gets better as you get older because it's about an older uh, a couple like falling in love like, it's about rob forster and jackie uh pam greer sorry pam greer like falling for each other and like i think i've watched it i would say like maybe every five years since like i was like 15 or something it's gotten better every time because it's like the, it just gets better as you get older i think you can the pay the pacing's fine now it, that's a true like hangout movie like he's just concerned with like sitting around with the characters them talking to each other the performances are great i i feel like it's uh yeah that one just has gotten better i think you'd really enjoy that going back especially now knowing 
what to expect from it and and just kind of enjoying it on that level um uh you know what's funny oh go ahead sorry (laughs) i was just gonna say the thing for me too with tarantino movies is i almost always don't really like them all that much when i first see them like i really didn't like once upon a time in hollywood when i when i first saw it in the theater i really (laughs) didn't like it i did an entire podcast with my friend mike from the amateur auteurs podcast where we just ripped it apart and then i saw it again when it came out digitally and i don't know home watching it at home on the couch with my wife i was much more like amenable to it's like not really having any goals sort of just hang out vibes uh and so again i think that's i i need to go into jackie brown with that same like expecting it to just just sit back on the couch for three hours and and you know and just just enjoy the hang more than <laughs> you know be yeah, so those are probably- goal-oriented yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's I, my problem with Jackie Brown. It was so like kind of like plot oriented. That is not the point of Jackie Brown. It was like, okay, he's moving the money. It it almost does not matter. Just throw it out. Like I got it now. I've watched it like five times, whatever it is. But uh, it's kind of still secondary. To everything else going on about how good Pam Greer is, how good Robert Forrester is. Like, um, and yeah, it's it's funny because those once my time in Hollywood and Jackie Brown, I think definitely the closest movies in his filmography because they they just seem like they're like cousins to each other almost. Like they they're just like longer slower paced hangout movies where like stuff happens but it's not like hey like i mean like we're getting somewhere but we're not gonna get there fast you know <laughs> and uh but i yeah those take time i feel like once i'm in hollywood i liked it something like, way more than you on the first watch but it's gone way up in my estimation from that first viewing in the theater because i was like yeah that was really good and then i watched it like multiple times when it came out on like blu-ray and i was like oh shit i think i love this movie <laughs> and now it's probably like top three tarantino for me out of nowhere when i thought before it'd be near the bottom after the first watch but um those are the kind of movies take time to grow i think because the first time you're like okay what are we doing here and then it's like okay now i know what you're doing here so i can kind of like lean back ease ease back into it and you know just kind of hang out so yeah um, exactly exactly yeah so i thought we'd say it was funny i did not see it shorty till last year but you know what i saw in a theater was be cool (laughs) which is not a good movie uh which is really unfortunate because you got travolta back playing the same part um a whole different supporting cast of characters as far as I remember. I don't think I can't remember if anybody comes back and get shorty besides Travolta. Um but that was my that was my weird run. I think it was for I, I had a, a a girl that I liked who lived across the street from me whose dad was in the military. We got to go see movies on the base uh that were like a dollar or something. Every it was always a dollar or two dollars, something like that. And from like oh three to early oh five, I saw so many pieces of shit at this theater it was like it was cursed it was like oh you're gonna see a cheap movie or you're gonna see a bad one so it was like be cool Catwoman, son of a mask uh it was like i could go on it was just me seeing the worst movies of the, those two years because i just wanted to hang out with yeah, this girl that that is that is not a good run oh there's more i can't remember it was just <laughs> nothing but bad for like two years but i just wanted to hang out with her but i remember seeing be cool and i don't think i even knew going in that it was a sequel because I didn't see Get Shorty. And I was like, this movie's not good. <laughs> it's just not it's like it has none of the juice from uh from Get Shorty. It's got nothing left to uh it's like why does this exist type of sequel? Yeah. You know, like why? Um I'm guessing you saw that. Do you see that in a the theater or did you wait? <laughs> I wait till I waited till it came out on DVD, but I saw it, you know, as soon as it came out on DVD. Um it, it was because again I had read the book and and the book didn't the book's one of the few Leonard books that I didn't think was, was that good. The book is infinitely better than the movie, but it still Uh felt a little bit like, 
Leonard has gone back to some of his characters time and time again, Raylan being one of the, the primary ones, but um, I didn't really feel like Chili was a character that needed we needed to go back. I felt like Chili's story yeah. was pretty well complete. Yeah. And that's kind of the vibe from the book. The The movie just, I think the movies, I think <laughs> for as much as the mixture is perfect on Get Shorty, the proportions of the mixture are all off on Be Cool. Just everything is all off on that movie. Nothing about it works. As effortlessly cool as Travolta is in in Get Shorty, we're looking at him just flop sweat, try and be cool in this one. Be cool, haha. <laughs> um, you know, uh F. Gary Gray has directed some movies that I absolutely love. He is not Barry Sonnenfeld, and this is not really I was gonna say that this is this kind of dialogue-driven, witty thing is not really his forte, but the fucker directed Friday, like right. so. So you know, I, I just again, I think it's just it's just a it's just a bad mix of everything. Uh, the yeah. Rock is the only part that's kind of entertaining. That's um, what I was gonna say. I was like, I think I remember The Rock being funny, but that's like all I remember <laughs> being good is like him being funny. And I, I like Uma Thurman, I her doing anything. She's just in the movie. I, yeah, like, she's basically in it so that they could do a Pulp Fiction reunion. Oh, that's that's what I okay. It's <laughs> like, what was the big deal about this? A Pulp Fiction, right, right, right. And they do nothing like that's like wasted. I take it back. Dan DeVito apparently is in Be Cool as Martin Weir, but I don't remember him doing anything. But... I, if I remember right, I think it's just like a cameo. I don't oh, think it's sure. like a. It's not like a. But yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's it. You know, it's been years since I've seen Be Cool, so I'm sure there's some Be Cool defender out there that's gonna <laughs> gonna be like, no, it's actually great. Um, and his name's probably Mark Warner, but uh, but no, <laughs> I'm well, this kidding. isn't an 06 movie, so it might yeah. not be as uh, it's 05, might, might not be his thing. Um, but no, but I, I just I remember this being just an absolutely like almost like a, a bonfire of the vanities level catastrophic Oof. disappointment in yeah. terms of in terms of how how bad it is compared to how good uh, Get Shorty is. Another to Palm I've been avoiding, but that one for a reason, that one, not the fury I wanted to see, uh, bonfire of the vanities, yeah. When it comes down to it, I'll be like, okay, I guess I'll watch this. But um, yeah, a movie that was completely unmemorable from from what I remember, uh, what I remember is nothing. So not a good sign. And uh, yeah, not not great. Uh, yeah, like his story seems like it's very, we're finished at the end of Get Shorty. Like, just leave it here. He's going to go make movies. And then like, just such a, like the thing to drag it out. Like, oh, now he's going to try the music industry. That's such a movie conceit. Like, he's just like, now I'll do this. Like, what? And I was shocked when I, I could have sworn they just whipped this up without Elmore Leonard. So I was actually kind of surprised when I read that it was based on a book that he wrote. I was like, oh, he did this to himself. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I could have sworn they just got, you know, saw some IP and were like, we could get Travolta back for a Get Shorty sequel. But um, yeah, be cool. Not great. Um, don't think I'll ever rewatch it. I was like watching Get Shorty. I was like, do I need to rewatch Be Cool? And I was like, no, no, no. Let that, let that live. I, my I thought about it too, and I was like, no, no. Look, I don't. I the time is short. No, I, I can, I can watch. I can because I was thinking about watching it this morning, and I'm like, I can watch the Korean Brotherhood of the Wolf, or I can rewatch Be Cool. I, no, I'm gonna watch the Korean Brotherhood of the Wolf. Like that. <laughs> like I'm not watching fucking Be Cool again. Like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, I'm glad you and, not waste your time. Yeah, doing and, that. And in a lot of ways, Be Cool is kind of interesting because it really does feel like the start of, like we talked about, that Travolta really was on a run post Pulp Fiction, and, and Be Cool is one of the movies that really starts to feel like 
the beginning of the decline for him back down to where he's now the the DTV, you know, guy. Uh, yeah. Because he just, it, oh, it's Battlefield Earth. It's Swordfish, Domestic Disturbance. It's like, I do like him in The Punisher. Uh, I do. I yeah, but even, even The Punisher, he, you know, he's so far removed from from Chili Palmer and the Punisher in terms oh, of, yeah, of yeah. how like over the top he's going and stuff like that, you know? Um, but, but he, at least in all of those, he's like still trying to do something for better or worse, something interesting, you know, battlefield earth, at least say what you will about that movie. At least it's something, right. At least it's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it's the product of uh, lunacy, uh, but it, it it's something. <laughs> Uh, be cool is just kind of such a rote Hollywood crap out project. It, you know, right. it's just it's just one of those movies where you just look and you go, God, I hope everybody got a nice boat out of this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's all you that's all you can hope for in that. I I'm excited for Travolta because I, I I don't know if you listen to this movie as much, you know, these days, but I think it was Adam uh, Risky that said there's a new Travolta coming out called Mobland that he was really high on. Um, it's like a new deep coming out, I think this year, but yeah. he, he really sold me on that. So I hope that's like a really, I, I, I want more good to draw towards. I, I know he's good. I think he's just sometimes in these like not so great DTV movies. Um, so, well, yeah. I, I think he, I think he does a, a lot. And, and I feel like Adam may have said something, cause I still listen to F this movie religiously. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I actually was just listening to the, the Patreon with Anthony, uh, oh, right yeah. before we jumped on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think Adam Mason, the thing with Travolta is he's a lot like Val Kilmer is in his DTV movies, too, especially before the cancer, Um, where in the absence of a director giving him something to do, Travolta is going to fill that space. Mm, So if you've got one of these geezer teaser directors who's barely competent or whatever Travolta is going to fill that space with something. He's going to go big. He's going to fill the room. If you have a director that actually gives him something to do and engages him, he'll, he'll rope it in. He'll, he'll, you know, a, a perfect example is, is in the Valley of violence, you know, Ty West, even though I don't love his movies, gr- good director would never say otherwise and gives Travolta a really needy part and on top of that, he's got to act opposite Ethan Hawke. So he's got to act opposite, you know, arguably the greatest actor of his generation, and he's going to bring his A-game. Travolta's not going to – there's no space for Travolta to fill. All there is is for Travolta to give the performance that West wants and the performance that the movie needs. Um, and a lot of these other DTV Travolta performances, he's filling the space. He's filling because I, I, I one that I absolutely love. That's a borderline terrible movie that he was in <laughs> is, uh, is, uh, from Paris with love. Um, oh yeah. Mike, I'm a, I was a defender of that one too. It's yeah. It, but, but again, he's, you know, that's Jonathan Reese Myers movie. He's the main character of that movie. So Travolta's, floating along the outside, filling the spaces that he needs. Swordfish is the same way, right? He's still got Hugh Jackman there that's kind of taking up as much oxygen as he needs to. Um, Because I actually think, I don't think Swordfish is a good movie, but I don't think it's Travolta's fault. I think he's the right level of nuts in that movie. (laughs) I would Um, agree with that, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so but but yeah but you know be cool is one where it does it feels like he's just flop swept and he's just, he's just 
taking up all the space in the movie and then then yeah you start getting the wild hogs and the and the stuff like that and it's just <laughs> it's hard it's hard to look at chili palmer in wild hogs you know at least it is for me <laughs> i know yeah yeah i i did not know you were also a paris love fan that is funny oh, that's yeah. A, yeah. It's oh like, yeah i feel like it, it's almost it's, indefensible but it's like i love <laughs> it's pierre morel man of course i love it like oh, it's pierre morel yeah. fresh off of uh fresh off of pagan like yeah i i'm i'm all about it so I mean, that one's funny too because i feel like in a way they're like they're all kind of working overtime to make him like a really cool badass but it, like they even do the pulp fiction callback with the burger thing and i'm like oh like i should roll my eyes so much they roll out of my head but i just something about that movie is like endearing to me and i don't know what it is I actually kind of want to watch it recently but um yeah i <laughs> He's he'll he's gonna yeah that's that was a great quote because like he'll fill the space like if you don't give something to do he's gonna he's gonna act and he's gonna do something with it like you know yeah. so um, yeah I mean Nick Cage another perfect example right like like oh, Nick's God, gonna yeah, yeah. Nick's gonna <laughs> fill the space so if you've got a director that gives him something to do he's gonna be golden you know and I happen to like Nick filling the space more than Travolta filling the space because I I like Nick as an actor more than I like Travolta but. I don't begrudge either of them. What I begrudge is that they're stuck in these shitty movies and that if mm -hmm. they're put, you know, as Cage has shown us over the last five years with things like Mandy and Pig and stuff like that, yep. put yep. him in a good movie with a good director. He's still going to be Nicolas Cage. He's still mm -hmm. going to give you leaving Las Vegas caliber performance. I have all the belief in the world based on In the Valley of Violence and some of his other performances from the last decade that if you put Travolta in a good movie with a good director, He's going to give you a, a, a 90s John Travolta performance. He's still got him. The dude hasn't forgotten how to act. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. They really, I mean, I feel like it's uh, actors, I guess, it's, they don't really feel like they forget how to act, but I just, they get, like we're saying, put in bad movies where they're, you know, their talents aren't being uh, used. Because then it's like clearly Nick Cage has not lost it because, yeah, you said like Mandy and Pig come out and uh, he's fantastic. And it's like, oh, he never lost it. He just has been stuff that's not that great. Um, I think Face Off was the movie I was thinking of earlier when I was saying like a movie where Travolta moves really like just smoothly. And I feel like that's one where he just is like, especially when he's trying to be Nick Cage, when he's like doing all this stuff, he's got so much confidence. He's sliding around. He's just like um, super cool. Um, man, it's a great movie. Anyway, now I just want to watch Face Off. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, he's fantastic. Uh um, what else do you want to say about Get Shorty? I feel like we've talked about so many other things, but yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like we do need to give Rene Russo, well, we, the two things. We should talk about Hackman some more since this is the Hackman, but I That's think true. we got to give Rene Russo her, her props in this. We talked about her a little bit, but again, another actress that was on just an absolute terror of, of great performances in great, in great movies, you know, that sort of uh, kind of ends with the Thomas Crown affair, you know, that sort of, oh, which is a great, I mean, that's peak Rene Russo. That might be my favorite performance of her entire career. I, I fucking, I love that movie an unreasonable amount. I think Thomas Crown affair is I feel bad. I still not seen that movie. Still not oh, seen it. Oh man. It's so good. Okay. It's, it, it, you should, you should watch that like ASAP because it, it vibes nicely with get shorty. It vibes well with oceans 11. It's, it's a good hangout, but also twisty plot kind of movie. And you want to see two actors with chemistry. Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo will melt your fucking television in that movie. <laughs> they are unreal. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, she, she, as so often happens with actresses, she got 
old for Hollywood standards. And now she's got to play right. fucking Thor's mom. I was going to say, like, I look at her IMDb. It's like, oh, yeah, she's Thor's mom. I forgot because it's like kind of a thankless part. Like, be Thor's mom. Hope she got paid a decent amount. But, yeah, it's like you're Thor's mom now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just, you know, and, and so... Which I mean, it's fine. She's she's you know she's doing fine for herself. She's getting that Gilroy money. Um, but uh, <laughs> but like it, I don't know. She you you watch a movie with her from the '90s, and she is so luminous and terrific. And I, I just love the way she plays the character in this, where she's just so completely like she's been in Hollywood so long that she's just over all of it. Like nothing, <laughs> like like when she gets kidnapped by Delroy Lindo at the end, she's more pissed off that Martin Weir's book is in the bathroom than the fact that she's actually been kidnapped because she's, what a fucking ever. Like, you know, it, like she, she's not faced by gunshots or people dying. She's like over all that shit. Like it's just, there's the right amount of sort of world weariness in her performance, but yet she's still Rene Russo. So you get why Chili would be like, as soon as he sees her, why he would just be like, Oh, hello. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, she's just she's tremendous in this movie. She is really good. I see she's someone I think I take for granted, probably. And she's in, yeah, she has a great run through the 90s, too. Uh, and yeah, it's sad again. I think it's somebody who's like, Well, you kind of age out of Hollywood for our like, you know, you're a little too old for us in Hollywood, but she's great in like Nightcrawler from I know it's about 10 years, but I think that's one of the best things I've seen her do is that performance in Nightcrawler is incredible. Um, and I, yeah, it is kind of Dan Gilroy stuff, isn't it? Because Velvet Buzzsaw was, I think, a Dan Gilroy uh, movie. Yeah, Nightcrawler, <laughs> but, Nightcrawler, and Velvet Buzzsaw are both Dan Gilroy movies. So, you know, obviously that's why yeah. she's in them. No offense. Which to our friend Anthony, who loves Velvet Buzzsaw, I didn't like Velvet Buzzsaw at all, but I love No, but I loved, I loved Nightcrawler. And I will just say, you know what, Dan, if you're going to keep writing movies for your wife or writing roles for your wife in your movies, you, you do it because <laughs> any Rene Russo on the screen is a good thing, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, you just keep, you keep writing, Danny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, we're talking, this is the woman that goes from like Lethal Weapon 3 to In the Line of Fire to Outbreak to Lethal Weapon 4 and Ransom and Get Shorty, like like just a massive run. And then you basically get to, like I said, you get to Thomas Crown Affair and then it's a couple of really bad movies. And then mm. she's basically done until Thor. She, she doesn't make a movie from 2005 to 2011. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did just, I forgot I saw her in two for the money with the Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> She's actually an okay movie. I don't mind that one. Um, but you know, she was in the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is oh a, a calamitous disaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, man, I forgot that movie. Um, it's, it's yeah so she's I, yeah. Her run is underrated too. I think she's, she's always good. I loved her in the lethal weapon movies. I, uh, yeah, that's mostly where I saw when I was younger. It's like, oh yeah, she's, uh, in those movies. And, yeah, I mean, as long as she's happy, yeah, she's had a good career. So I just wish <laughs> she was doing more than Thor's mom. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, at least she's doing what she can with being Thor's mom, right? She's bringing more to the table than Anthony Hopkins did. So uh, <laughs> you know, true. I mean, that's they do, so. I, they do have that scene I really like. I think in Endgame or Infinity War, where like it's like a it's because she's died, but they go back in time. So Thor, yeah, can talk it's to his Endgame. Mom. It's okay, in Endgame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a really that's a nice scene. I mean, she brings something to it where there's probably, there's not much there. Let's be honest. Like it's a kind of a thankless part. Um, but, um, yeah. And then, Oh, okay. So yeah. Hackman again, this is yeah. back, back to Hackman. Cause the reason we're all here. No. <laughs> well, and it is just going back to that quote that you said that what I think is so great. And I, and I, I don't know, maybe we did kind of over cover this already, but the, 
that, that he, because he's not a comedian, he's playing this so straight. And I, and I think it just, it works, but it also is just insane to me that he's going from, you know, Crimson Tide where he's just a, a hurricane on screen to Harry Zinn is just such a nebbish weenie, you know, and, and, <laughs> I've seen Hackman do a lot of things, but I don't really see him play weenie a lot. And that's, so that's yeah. the other thing that's really interesting is just how much of a just just loser he is in this movie. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't Somebody know. with like the bravado of someone who's not a loser, <laughs> I guess, helps like, yeah, you don't see Gene Hackman play like kind of like these kind of weenie type characters. Like you said, I, that was different, too. I'm like, this is a very different part for him, which I appreciate, like, um, not even just from his other 95 parts. It's from just most of the other parts I've seen him in. He's just yeah. Not... I mean, he's he's really bringing some of that Lex Luthor energy to it, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's really kind of the what he's what he's tapping into here. Yeah, I he's he's great. You know what I have to ask you is if to rank the 95 Hackman movies. I think I know your answer, but I may be wrong. <laughs> I don't, if you can you can rank them based off the performances or just the movie themselves, whatever you want to do it. <laughs> So, I mean, number one's a no-brainer. Number one, I don't even have to think about. Number one's Crimson Tide. Like, that's 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 not a question. Uh, I think I got to go get Shorty, and then I think I got to put Quick in the Dead at the end, even though, oh, that just actually, like, a little bit of my soul died putting a Sam Raimi movie at the bottom of any list. Like, it just died. But but I, I, I do think that that it's, I think it's got more flaws than the other two movies. I mean, I, Crimson Tide's a perfect movie. Um, right. Get Shorty is, I, I'm pretty close to, if not a perfect movie. And and Quick and the Dead is not. Quick and the Dead's a very, very good movie, but it's it's not a perfect movie. And so um, I think I have to put that at the bottom, but uh, I'm not happy about it, Matt. I just want you to know I'm <laughs> yeah. not happy about I, sorry it. Sorry I made you do that. I didn't, I didn't expect <laughs> that outcome. I thought you might, I mean, you completely threw me off because I thought you might go Quick and the Dead, Crimson Tide, get shorty i really had no idea that i don't know why i guessed that but I, the same Raimi factor made me think you go quick in the dead yeah first, but. yeah but i can't the crimson tide thing man it's my favorite like here's 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 how it kind of works in my brain is like so two of my favorite directors are you know my favorite director is sam Raimi, and one of my favorite directors is tony scott crimson tide is my favorite tony scott movie I think it's right, his best movie. Yeah. It's my favorite movie. Quick and the Dead is not my favorite Sam Raimi movie, and I don't think it's his best movie. So I, by default, yeah. Crimson Tide <laughs> kind of has to has to go above it, right? Um, because I don't think their careers are so that the Raimi's career is this much above Tony Scott that a non great Raimi movie is going to still be better than Tony Scott's best movie. That's absurd. Right, right. So <laughs> that makes uh, sense. Okay, that's yeah, logic. So, that logic out. Uh, yeah. So it's funny because I think. Oh, go ahead. You're going to say something. I didn't oh, I, I was just no. Go ahead because I'm going to talk about Barry Sonnenfeld in a sec. But you that's go, what I was you just thinking. Ahead. We got to oh. talk about him too. But but I was going to say I'll do my three. And my three actually kind of go in. In it works out. They go in order of the performance and the movie itself for me. Um, Crimson Tide's number one. Uh, I, that movie is incredible. It gets every time I watch it. Um, someone had just posted on Twitter. I feel bad. I can't remember who it was. The clip of just Denzel and Gene Hackman, kind of how it starts off. <laughs> when they're when they're going back and forth and how it escalates to Hackman saying shut the fuck up like it just that I could I can't I can't not watch it when that scene is a po posted somewhere on Twitter because yep. it's incredible um so Crimson Tide number one uh, Quick and the Dead number two because he's just such a bastard in that movie and I really enjoy Quick and the Dead and Get Shorty number three Get Shorty with more time again only second time I've seen it, it could maybe leapfrog Quick and the Dead but um 
really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that, that somewhat can rationalize that is he he is by far and away the best part of Quick and the Dead. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> he is not the best part of Get Shorty. Right. Like like there are performances in Get Shorty. He's great in it. I love him in the movie. But there are performances in Get Shorty that are better and more interesting and, and, and more fun to watch than his performance in Get Shorty. They could cast somebody else in Gene Hackman's role in Get Shorty and the movie would still be good. You know, they could have cast, think of somebody like maybe Chevy Chase could have played that role or at oh, the yeah. time, you know? <laughs> um, you couldn't cast anybody else in Quick and the Dead. Like that that had to be Gene Hackman playing that character. Mm-hmm. And same um, with Crimson Tide. You couldn't cast anybody else in Crimson Tide. Oh yeah, no, that <laughs> has to be has to be him and it has to be Denzel, I feel like. Yep. It has to be those two guys. So, yep. um, but yeah, Barry Sonnefeld, I was like, wow, we almost went this whole thing and I didn't really bring up Barry Sonnefeld. I felt back he's the director of the movie. Um, these things don't direct themselves. So uh, Barry Sonnefeld, looking at his filmography, fascinating career. I think I always get confused too because I always mix up him and Barry Levinson in my mind. I always like go back and like- Easy enough to do. I mean, I mean, yeah. they, you know, when they kind of got, not when they got their start, but but sort of when they were both at their heydays, they were making a lot of very similar kind right. of movies, you know, yeah. because I mean- at the same time, Sonnenfeld's making Get Shorty, Levinson's making Jimmy Hollywood with Christian Slater and, and Joe mm-hmm. Pesci. And it's a, another very dialogue-driven crime, indie comedy kind of movie. So, you know, I, I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, of course, the director of photography for the Coen brothers for up until he did Miller Crossing. That's the last one, right? He does for them. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. then then he goes out because then he then he makes uh, Adam's family and right. is, is his own yeah. director after that. Yeah, he's a great director of photography, a uh, great eye for them. Uh, Searching his own stuff has a really good run through till until Wild Wild West, which is like a uh, Jesus. I mean, a career derailer, if not a, a career killer, but it is a uh, it's just this bomb that I mean, I think people still joke about it. Um I never saw Big Trouble. Have you seen Big another Rene Russo movie? Yeah, it's but I I haven't seen it since 2004, <laughs> but it was fucking terrible. If I, oh, I like, okay, I remember okay. it being terrible. I yeah. could be wrong. Again, there's probably some Big Trouble stand out there that's going to be like this is an underappreciated I... classic. But uh... <laughs> yeah, because I have it. I'm looking at IMDb, and it has the yellow check mark. It's in my watch list. I think. I hate to call somebody out if they didn't like it, but I feel like on Brian on Pure Cinema may have recommended it as like a underrated comedy. Maybe. It may not have been him. Somebody, I swear, said it's an underrated comedy. Well, it's I actually have... got 6.4. It's a 6.4 on IMDb. So it may be one that I need to, you know, because there's a lot of movies. Well, I mean, going back to our discussion of Quick and the Dead that I didn't really love Quick and the Dead when I saw it in the theater. You know, there's oh, yeah, yeah. there were a lot more good movies coming out. So it was a lot easier to be picky and not like something. Whereas I might watch Big Trouble now and be like, they don't make them like they used to and, and absolutely <laughs> love it. You know, right, right. I remember the biggest thing of that movie was they got pushed back because of 9-11 because it all took place in like an airport and a, there was a maybe a bomb or something like it, the whole thing. And then. Men in Black 2 tries to recover with that. Makes RV, which is not a good movie with uh, Robin Williams. I don't know why I even saw RV, but it's like... And then it's just a bunch of TV. Men in Black 3 randomly in there. Nine Lives, the cat talking cat movie with Kevin Spacey. This is, I, this is like, I'm fascinated by directors' careers, especially guys that were like big in the 80s and 90s and where they end up now. And it's like, most time I feel bad. It's just kind of sad because they it always kind of like peters out into like tv and it's like good for them they're working but it's like 
you know, the talented guys and they end up kind of like having some bombs. They kind of have to, you know, just kind of go to television or they just completely retire and don't make anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I think he got put, he got put in director jail because he got, he got the brunt of the blame for the, the one, two punch of wild, wild West and men in black too. And, and the reality yeah. is if you know anything about the making of either of those movies, fucking Spielberg couldn't have made those good movies, you know, but right. he got, but Sonnenfeld <laughs> got put in director jail for it and uh, never really quite was quite able to get out. I, I actually happen to think I, this is probably sacrilege to some people. I think get shorty is his best movie uh, for me, at least that's my favorite Sonnenfeld movie, but um but, you know, he had a run there where he was making great stuff. Uh, but, yeah, he just I, I mean, Wild Wild West just hurt so many careers. <laughs> you know, it, just... it really did. It did a lot of damage. It's like it's I, to this day, I feel like it's still uh, just one of those things to like the, the t- shorthand for a huge bomb. You know, it just like just killed him. Um did Men in Black 2 not do well? I don't remember. I know people I didn't like it that much, but it did it did it tank or did I, well it's tank is in the eye of the beholder. It okay. did less <laughs> than Men in Black. Uh oh, if so I therefore. remember right, it actually <laughs> opened less uh than uh Wild Wild West. Uh I think it ended up doing more than Wild Wild West uh overall, but it was it was it was the one that signaled the end of Will Smith as the fourth of July guy. Oh, um, yeah. I yeah. think the bigger problem is Men in Black 2 is just not good, you know, so no, it was kind yeah. of one of those is one of those <laughs> one of those sort of early 2000s blockbusters that did it did fine box office wise, but it just wasn't good. Nobody right. liked it. Nobody, Nobody had a good time going to see it. that movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's more famous for kind of help helping put Rosario Dawson on the map. Oh, right. Then yeah, it yeah. is. Then it is. You know, I mean, she'd been doing stuff before that, but that was one of her first like big blockbuster type movies. Um, you know, it, it just it was just a bad movie. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that really that really <laughs> kind of did it because I mean even that that even kind of hurt Will Smith for for a a, a bit too. Um, yeah, I mean I probably still yeah because I love Men in Black. That was one of those movies that we had like wore the VHS tape out. We loved that movie, and then we saw Men in Black too, and we're like, oh, that wasn't very good. So Men in Black, Men in Black is still probably my favorite. Sonnenfeld, Get Shorty would be up there. Uh, I, I now I haven't seen them in a long time. I remember liking both Adams Family movies. They're beloved. I haven't rewatched them in decades. They're yeah. not really my thing, but I know they're beloved. I mean, people absolutely adore those movies. So, yeah. especially Family Values. People yes. love Family yeah. Values. That's the one I kind of want to rewatch more. I feel like because everyone's like, "Oh, it's like." Also, it's the rare like Thanksgiving movie. Apparently. Yeah. So, uh, haven't seen For Love or Money. It's uh, okay. It's Michael J. Fox. It's. it's I mean, it, it it hinges entirely on Michael J. Fox's charm. Which of which he has a, a substantial amount. So yeah, it's wild how Sonnenfeld's whole director career is like really just compacted into the nineties. It's ninety one to Wild Wild West ninety nine, and then it's like I mean he directs more, but I'm saying like that's the the run really. <laughs> it's like and yeah. it's sporadic yeah. after that. Um, yeah, I mean it, I actually am also a guy. I will go to bat for Men in Black three. I actually think Men in Black three is is it's really the sequel that I wish we had gotten that Men in Black two had been. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could have, you know, cause one of the things that sucks about men in black too, is bringing Tommy Lee Jones back, which undoes the very poignant ending of, of men right. in black. You know, I, 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 I still love his, his line at the end of men in black of, I got a, I got a million memories in my head that I don't want kid. 
Um, you know, and uh, you could have not brought him back and just had Will Smith go back in time and, and meet up with Josh Brolin, uh, who is giving a tremendous Tommy Lee Jones impersonation in that movie. Just absolutely terrific Tommy Lee Jones. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do like Men in Black 3, I think. I think, But, you know, that didn't do that great either, and it wasn't enough to get him out of director jail. Right, right. I do remember, that's funny, all the things you said, I remember hearing that people were like, oh, this is an improvement from Men in Black 2, and Josh Brolin's great doing Tommy Jones impression, which was almost like a little too late at that point, because it's like 10 years after part two, and it was like uh, too little too late. We kind of, you know, it's like the franchise is kind of, and I, you know what's so funny the other day? Someone reminded me somehow that they made a Men in Black International. I had no oh, yeah. memory of that no, movie yeah. even exists. <laughs> it was only that's, four years. That's that. That's that is the that is the theatrical version of a Netflix movie, right? Like yeah. that thing came out and actually made an. Uh, it, it didn't make very much money, but you know. Uh, but yeah, that thing. Uh, F. Gary Gray again. Oh God, I forgot uh, it was. <laughs> yeah. What is what is just an absolutely all over the map career F. Gary Gray has had. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> he's like a. But, I like him, but he's he's like a modern day journeyman but he's all over the place in terms of quality i feel like yeah, it's yeah. it's wild how like it just yeah and, um, uh, but yeah. um i will say barry sonnenfeld directed the apple tv series schmigadoon with uh oh. keegan michael key that is is wonder is delightful it's it, well not for you matt because it's about musicals but for <laughs> for people who have souls and hearts it's actually delightful and uh and uh and we'll you know so so that was good he he you know a little little bit of quality there like i don't think again it's the same thing i don't think barry sonnenfeld has forgotten how to direct a movie as bad right. as something like rv was i don't think he's forgotten how to direct i just don't think he's getting the opportunity right now right and sometimes people directors actors take jobs to have a job and sometimes it's not the uh maybe dream job they want, you know, especially if they're, if they've kind of uh, been burned, like, you know, I'm sure Barry Sonnefeld's dream job is not to direct RV, but it was like, well, I have a chance to make a, a movie with Robert Williams. Okay, cool. I'm in director jail. I better do something. Um, so, you know, they take these things sometimes to do, to do something, you know, I always say actors have to act, directors have to direct. So it's like, you just got to go yeah, do stuff. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to make a fucking movie, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's all there is to it. So I remember years ago, Robert Forrester talking about that, that it was an interview. I think it was actually with Joe Bob on Joe Bob's old show or after Pulp Fiction came out. And he was talking about why he starred in all these low budget, you know, what would have been direct to video movies mm -hmm. at the time. And he said, hey, it keeps me working. And you never know when there's going to be a Quentin Tarantino out there that wants to that wants to give you that that new big break again you got to stay working you got to stay out there so i don't you know and um my friend dana buckler that uh, i used to be you know that's what got my start in podcasting was the dana buckler show dana did a two-part like four and a half hour interview with travolta uh oh, yeah. because travolta is dana's favorite actor they both live in florida it was the, the whole thing about how it all came together was crazy i, I was remember on that the, that was crazy yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> And if you listen to that, I mean, it's it's abundantly clear to me. Travolta loves to act like there's no like he literally cannot do anything else in his life. He he, he has to act. He's got to act. And so if the roles that are out there for him to act are in things like, you know, rubbing paint or whatever it is, trading paint. Uh, <laughs> One of the Travolta's I saw the DC yeah. because Adam was talking about it so much on this movie. Yeah. If that's what's <laughs> out there for him to act, he's going to act in that, you know, um, yeah. actors like to act. It's true. I mean, and a lot of us are not fortunate to do a job we actually love to make money. So the fact that they can 
do something I'm assuming most of them are passionate about that they get yeah. to, you know, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. I don't know what that's like, but that's that's <laughs> what they say. Me either. Uh, but good for them. Um, but yeah. Uh, wow. I don't know anything else to say about. I don't I don't think so. I mean, again, good. Yeah. Get Shorty is one of those movies that it's just I don't have any, you know, like I had my whole grand theory of the the journey of the pen for uh, gross point blank. I don't I don't have anything like that. This isn't that kind of movie. This is just this is just. A f- just a good fucking time at the movies, man. If people haven't seen it yet, it's just a good time. Um, yeah. And that's that's really the best compliment I can give it. It's just a good yeah. time. It's it was when I was watching, I was like, this is going to be tough just because I was like, there's so many little moments and my memory's terrible. And it's hard to describe little comedy moments to people. It's like you telling a joke that somebody else told you're like oh yeah you just end up sort of you just it's kind of like what we were worried about with gross point blank you just sort of end up quoting lines from the movie back and forth (laughs) at each other which isn't really great podcasting you know yeah uh so i I don't think yeah i don't think we need to to cover much more i think it's pretty clear that we're both big fans of it so yeah it's very good if anyone had ever watched it and was like i don't know like watched again like i did and maybe more into just watching good actors do good work i mean honestly it comes like just interacting like it's just fun to see these people like you know Dan DeVito and Rene Russo and Travolta and Hackman all coming there's a scene where those four are at a table together you know what I mean like how much fun is that like these people that are beloved actors and just that kind of thing like this is a fun again I don't know if I call it a hangout movie but it's kind of a hangout movie yeah yeah it's definitely a vibes movie even though even though it's got a very structured plot and it's actually a very complicated plot it's really I think you're right in the like stop don't try and don't try and follow the plot just 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 go with the vibes it's very much a vibes movie it's a great la movie if you're like me and you have a a real you know some people have soft spots for new york movies and like patrick has a major soft spot for chicago movies (laughs) i've always had a soft spot for la movies i just if if there's a great la movie i'm already always predisposed to like it this is a great la movie um, you know, they, they say the fucking smog is the fucking reason you have such beautiful fucking sunsets. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and then they, they, they reminded me of the little running joke about like the minivan being the, the Cadillac Cadillac and minivans. Minivan. I, know. <laughs> I mean, it's just little jokes like that. It's just one of those movies where it's like, I'm not like laughing out loud, gut busty, funny, but there's so many little things that make me chuckle. That's you know, yeah. You're yeah. just going to, you're going to have the, the entire hour and 45 minute runtime. You're just going to have a smile on your face. You may not have gut busting belly laughs, but you're just going to sit there with a smile the entire time you're watching the movie. Um, so yeah, yep, yeah. I, I'm good. That's all I got. Okay. Good stuff. I think we did a good job. So yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, and and we gave our props to, uh, to Gene Hackman's 1995. Very few yes. actors have had a year like God. Gene Hackman it's, had in 1995. He really is crazy. I, I'm like glad we finished off this Hackman 95 trilogy. This is great. Uh, always love talking to you. It's so much fun. Yeah, so absolutely. I, it was a blast. I, I uh, almost didn't even time to talk about the action for everyone, like how things are going over there. All well, the... No worries. No worries. Yeah, <laughs> things are going well. Uh, we're just plugging along at the time we're recording. It's the weekend of Big Bad Film Fest in L.A., which oh, we've yeah. been working with them to to uh help promote that it's a it's a little indie action fest that uh my friend patrick young has put together um so we've had some people involved in the movies on that on and uh yeah everything's just just plugging away uh we're gonna kind of keep keep doing what we're doing until we get tired of it (laughs) well yeah it's always enjoyable love you guys hanging out and then all the great guests you have i i was blown away on twitter i think i saw a picture of liam and brandon streitznake and aaron vargas all in like the red carpet of that film festival i was like oh my god it's 
the holy trinity of action twitter <laughs> I, I mean it, it really was it really is like the action twitter film festival you know That's, and, yeah, and yeah. i'm i tried like hell to figure out how i could get there and work just wasn't gonna allow because they're doing a scott adkins double feature oh. and like <laughs> i'm not introducing it really like yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so um oh. we do have again i don't know when people are going to hear this but as um, this probably be out on mondays so like okay so now. perfect yeah. so Sunday, we are recording with uh, Raman Sarab, who's the uh, director of Layers of Lies, which is the first, billed as the first Iranian martial arts movie. Um, and I have seen it, and it's terrific. We talked about it. We had the editor on last week, Chancellor Hayes, and, and so now we've got the director, and, and we're going to talk about him getting arrested trying to make the movie, breaking the breaking his <laughs> wow. leg and having to finish the movie with a broken leg, stuff like that. So um it's gonna be it's gonna be good and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So uh if this is out on Monday, it will have come out on Sunday yesterday. Yes. <laughs> so um I'm sure most people listen to this have know about Action Everyone and listening to Action Everyone. They should be if they're not listening to Action Everyone, they should be. Uh it's always a good time. So um yeah do you want to plug your yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can find us on Twitter and letterbox or not Twitter and letterbox. That's my personal stuff, but I'm barely on Twitter anymore. You can find A4E on Twitter uh, at A4E podcast. You can also find us on blue sky at A4E podcast. We've got a link tree. It's link tree slash A4E podcast. We're on pretty much every podcast app of your choice. So you can find us anywhere. Um, yeah. So check us out. Oh yeah. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I should probably start plugging my blue sky because I don't use it. I just I have I have one. It's almost like uh, in case of emergency, break glass, go to blue sky. Like it's it's tough. The engage like the people there are very pleasant, but the engagement is crap. And I don't mean I don't mean the engage like I got I got that Gene Hackman tweet that's blowing up right now, and it's made it out to the people who aren't my followers, and I'm already cringing because I know it's dicey. I yeah. know it's coming. <laughs> But I'm talking about you post something on Twitter and I know that like you or Chris Barreras or Liam or somebody, you know, you're going to comment on it. We're going to have a little chat or something like that, maybe. And and there just isn't that on Blue Sky yet. Uh, people are posting stuff and they're all very pleasant and you can post your stuff and you're not going to have a bunch of randos in your mentions. But you're also not going to have some friends uh, like jumping in and being like, oh, hey, you know, yeah, I like this movie or oh, if you like that, you should you should check out right, this movie right. kind of thing, you know, that, that we like so social media for oh yeah one other plug we have an a4e discord uh so oh, yeah, yeah, reach yeah. out reach out to us on twitter if you want an invite to that discord we uh it's blown up uh so far there, there's like 150 people in it or something like that it's kind of crazy uh <laughs> but but everybody's being very well behaved it's a good time we're all having a lot of fun there uh so you know make sure to to, to jump on that too if you want to talk to us yeah i think i'm in it but i get gets this i get so overwhelmed when there's You're so many people and I'm just like, I don't, I can't even keep up, you know, cause if I leave. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing you have to do. You got to give up keeping up. Like you, you just, <laughs> you just, if you have something you want to say, I do one of two things. If I have something I want to say, I log in and say it. Or if I just am like, on the crapper or whatever i'm like oh, i'll log into discord <laughs> i read back like three or four messages and if i have something to contribute at that point i do but if i don't i don't worry about it but i don't i don't scroll all the way back up to see what i missed because right, that right. way lies madness you can't and then you're also reviving stuff from like an hour ago or yesterday or something like that and it just it's it's not worth it i, I, I just like don't even <laughs> yeah, for like an hour i'm like i've missed 400 new comments it's like yeah ah. 
because we have the other Discord with like ten people, very manageable. Yeah. With 150, yeah. I'm like, yeah, like it's almost like. Uh, well, it's like it's actually interesting. It's like all things. There's 150 people, but there's only like ten people that actually post anything. So it's not really that hard. It's not really that okay, hard okay. to keep up. Yeah, so they have like social media anxiety. I don't know. But no, there's a lot. Of, I know there's a lot of good people in there because I've seen the people that have jumped into it. A lot of our friends on Twitter. So nothing against anybody there. I just I my brain can't. Yeah, there's too. I have too many apps, basically. Sure. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm i with uh, you. If, I would not be there as much as I am, except for the fact that that is where I do get that engagement that I Twitter, that I yeah. did, yeah. That, that I used to get from Twitter that I just cannot get from Twitter anymore. Yeah. Um, it's a so, cool over there. Uh, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and blue skies, you can't like post video yet. I don't think there's no, no DMs. You can't post video. There's no DMs. It's, it's just not quite there yet. It's yeah. I think it's going to get there, but it's just not there yet. So if anyone also sent me a blue sky friend request, I've accepted it. I'm sorry. I just don't look at the, app. <laughs> but my blue sky should be the same as my Twitter, which is at maplet 87. Um, and, uh, the podcast is not on blue sky yet, but it's film feast pod on Twitter. Me and the podcast on Instagram, Film Feast, all one word. Um, should we be back next? Well, actually, maybe not next week because next week's Labor Day. So may either be not on that Monday or the week after. I have one more episode planned before the big hiatus, the big break with uh, James Coddington and Lexi Van Dyke. We're going to talk about Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too. Ooh. This long running joke about magic. And then it became, let's talk about those movies. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I don't know. There's gonna be a lot of tangents. I can tell you right now. There's sure some very get... cool stuff in those movies that are that are would will be fun to talk about for you guys. Uh, they're they're also weird and not that great, but there's some very cool stuff in there. It's, so I think yeah, you guys will have, some have fun. probably a lot to say because they're kind of ridiculous movies that I find very watchable and entertaining, but they are like absolutely ludicrous. I I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. But um, but yeah, still got some stuff going on, so uh, I won't be disappearing completely. <laughs> so to like keep following all the social media for all the updates and. Uh, Thank you. Mike's thank you again so much. That was a great. Yeah, time. no, thank you. I had a blast, man. <laughs> yes, it was so much fun. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.